0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nutshell Politics. I'm Justin Kinney, the host that was recently described as the political science version of Indiana Jones and a spinning image of a young Harrison Ford. Okay, to be fair, I was the one who said that, but I am pretty sure I saw a couple of my students nodding their heads along in agreement when I said it. Uh, So that's what we're going to go with. Now, today's episode is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about two different issues. First will be the G20 summit, which just took place this past weekend. And then we're also going to be talking a little bit about what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. As Russia recently seized a couple Ukrainian ships and Ukraine declared martial law in several of their territories. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with that. But before we get into that, I want to just do a little bit of self-promotion on this. I did recently have a book that was released. It was released last Monday. It's a mystery novel entitled Splintered State, and it's going to be the first of a three to four book series that I'm currently working on. Now, I'm just going to quickly read the back cover of this so you can get an idea of what it's about, and then we'll move on to today's episode. When a series of unusual murders within the washington dc mafia leads some to suspect something more sinister is taking place former mobster franklin holt is dragged into a world he'd sworn to leave behind forever needing to know the truth he joins forces with an estranged ex-partner and his federal agent ex-wife which reignites old feelings and familiar pains they soon uncover a much more dangerous threat simmering beneath the surface one with national and even international consequences Franklin must battle his past and fight to stay alive while keeping his family and loved ones safe in a race against the clock. A clock they didn't even know had been set. A century-old, believed defunct terrorist group from old Russia is re-emerging from obscurity with connections in high places and global aspirations. So, if you're at all interested in something along those lines, please go check out the book. It's on Amazon for you right now in both uh, paperback and in Kindle. But with that, let's go ahead and move on into today's episode. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about what happened at the APEC Summit, which is an Asia-Pacific economic conference, as well as some of the fireworks that took place there between uh, Mike Pence in the United States and President Jinping of China. And we're going to talk a little bit about the G20 Summit, which just took place this past weekend. Now, at the time of the recording for this episode, I don't have a whole lot of analysis yet on the results of the G20 Summit. We're going to talk a little bit about what's come out so far, as I said, at, at the time of this recording. But... In particular, we're going to focus this episode on what the G20 summit is and kind of its importance in the global scheme of things and the international economy. So the G20 summit or the group of 20 summit is this international forum for various leaders and heads of state of governments, as well as central bank governors from 20 countries around the world to get together and discuss kind of the international economy, any sort of issues that go beyond the responsibility of of a single organization or a single country. Now the G20 summit is called G20 because there are 20 members in the group. This is 19 countries that are represented and one that represents the entire European Union. I'm just going to quickly run through what these countries are. This is an alphabetical order, but Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, South Korea, Turkey, the United Kingdom and the United States. And then as I said, the European Union also has a representative there to represent all of Europe. Now you notice some countries there are actually European countries, like say Italy, and so they have their own specific representation, but the EU is there to represent all the other countries in Europe that are not otherwise represented. In addition, every year, uh, the G20 also has several guests that come to it, including Spain, the chair of ASEAN, which is the uh, Southeast Asian Asian Association two different African countries always get invited, and sometimes uh, another country or two that is invited special by the president of that year, usually from the president's own region of the world. In addition, there are always some permanent guests from some international organizations, including the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, the ILO, which is the International Labor Organization, the World Bank Group, World Trade Organization, Uh, the UN has a a representative that goes to this as well and a couple others in addition to, So we see a pretty large collection here of leaders from around the world representing different countries, organizations, all getting together for this one particular purpose at this summit. And this happens every year. Now, in addition to the leaders of each country, the president, prime minister, or king, or whatever they are, you also tend to get a pretty high-level finance minister, or a central bank governor who goes as well. So for the United States right now, this would include the, the president, which is Donald Trump, the secretary of the treasury, portfolio minister, which is uh, Stephen Munchen, and Jerome Powell, who is the central bank governor. And then each country then has their own uh, financial team that, co- that goes to this as well. Now, the purpose of the G20 summit, which started back in 2008, which was the inaugural year, is to bring together a lot of these industrialized, and in particular, some of these developing economies to try to bridge some of that gap, uh, to discuss any sort of key issues in the global economy. Now, currently, the chairman is the Argentinian leader Mauricio Macri. He is the president of Argentina, he's been in office in Argentina since 2015. And he actually just took the presidency of G20 this year. Now, it's thought that there will be a lot of topics discussed at the meeting this year. Again, just this past weekend, uh, which we're still kind of just hearing some of the results from right now. But as these are some of the world's most powerful nations, they are going to be tackling some pretty big issues. They're going to be expected to be talking about sustainable development, food security, international trade, even climate change. And then a couple of the highlights or well, at least maybe maybe low lights. We'll see how they turned out. But uh, the talk between President Donald Trump and the, Ch- the President of China, Xi Jinping, as well as some of the talks between various countries and Saudi Arabia, which had this big flap recently about Jamal Khashoggi, the murder of this reporter, and, and kind of what role the government leadership may have played in that. And so it's thought there may be some very high tensions between Saudi Arabia and some of these other countries. And further to Saudi Arabia's role in the Yemen civil war, may very well come up in some of these conversations too and further it's thought that one of the big topics that will dominate some of the headlines is the second topic we're going to be talking about today and that's the warlike tension between russia and ukraine which has already hit some headlines as president trump said he canceled his one-on-one with the russian president vladimir putin because of this So the goal of the summit this year was to get a joint statement together that everyone can sign off on. Most recent global summits have been very tense, including, as I mentioned, APEC last week, which was largely unproductive. You also had the G7 summit, the NATO summit on on economics, and some of these were not nearly as productive as you would like to see. And so there are a lot of questions about whether or not the world leaders were able to put aside their differences for G20 this past weekend and do something a little bit more productive than just stand together for a giant photo op, which they always do as well. Now, one of the big things from the United States perspective in terms of foreign policy that did take place this weekend is that the United States, Canada, and Mexico all did officially sign the new trade deal, which is replacing NAFTA. Now, Congress will still ultimately have to approve this, but it's thought they probably will. And this is a a pretty huge deal when it comes to North American trade. NAFTA has been around for a long time. And when Trump was talking about getting rid of it, there was a lot of tension and questions, but it's thought that the United States, Canada and Mexico were able to come together and pick up a new trade deal in the process uh, to replace NAFTA. So the G20 summit did open on Friday, the Argentinian president opened it, the summit with some remarks about unity saying, quote, it's our duty to show to the world that today, global challenges require global responses. And there's there's a lot of that theme going around that countries need to cooperate together in unity to solve some of these large global scale issues like food security and sustainable development and things like that. But a lot of the the talk around unity has been overshadowed by some specific issues that I really want to touch on. Uh, First, I wanted to talk about the idea that there's a lot more to the G20 summit itself than what's happening behind closed doors in these meetings. There are protesters that have flooded the streets around the the summit, and they're protesting everything from the Argentinian military dictatorship to the IMF, which there's a lot of dissidents around some of these global institutions and organizations as well. There's also even some protests against Donald Trump in the United States, The famous uh, baby blimp during his visit to London last year has popped up in Latin America now. But there are several topical things taking place in these meetings that are really overshadowing a lot of talk of the unity that they're hoping to achieve. First is one that I've talked about already, talked about this with APEC, uh, when China and U.S. had kind of a bit of a dust-up over what the U.S. calls unfair trade practices. And China and the United States are locked in this huge trade dispute with tariffs and all kinds of other threats taking place on the economic front. And President Trump actually recently threatened to escalate tariffs to 25%. They're currently at 10%. So this is something that doesn't appear to be going away. And of important note, Trump and the Chinese President, Xi Jinping, were scheduled to meet on Saturday for the first time in more than a year. Now, again, at the time of this recording, I don't have the results of that meeting yet, but... What comes out of that meeting could be very important for both countries' economies going forward. Now, the other big topic that will be dominating the headlines is Saudi Arabia. Now, we've talked about this multiple times of other episodes. This has actually really come to a bit of a head over the the murder of Saudi dissident and journalist Jamal Khashoggi, to the point where there are some prosecutors now, especially in Argentina, but also elsewhere, that have talked about filing criminal charges against Mohammed bin Salman, who's the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's actually like a de facto ruler. His, his father is the official ruler, but Mohammed bin Salman is, is kind of the the real power there. And so they're actually considering filing criminal charges against him for human rights abuses. And there was actually some talk that he may not attend, and there were some people who were in Saudi Arabia encouraging him not to do so because of this. But uh, he did ultimately show up. He has been there. Now, most G20 attendants have kind of ignored him, at least initially. The only attendant to immediately kind of embrace him appeared to be the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, which I think makes, makes some sense. Um, But the two were seen shaking hands, smiling, very kind of enthusiastic. But Mohammed bin Salman does have scheduled meetings with several world leaders, including Putin himself, but also Jinping of China, Macron of France, and a handful of others as well. So what comes out of that and the relationship there may also affect trade because Saudi Arabia has a pretty important trade relationship with a lot of countries because of their oil. So that's something that's worth really keeping an eye on. Also in line with Mohammed bin Salman, it'll be very interesting to notice which leaders will kind of snub him over this. He is the only Arab leader at the G20, and so you should be able to learn a lot from who approached him, who who spoke to him. He has looked kind of very uncertain and nervous so far. A handful of people you went out of their way to shake his hand. Some others, you know, shared a couple words with him, but. By and large, it's been very fascinating so far. Uh, When they posed for the photograph, he was stood on kind of the outside of the photo, far away from Turkey's President Erdogan, who was also there. He was on the other side of the photo because Turkey has been the kind of primary accuser towards Mohammed bin Salman and Saudi Arabia over the Saudi journalist Khashoggi. And this is probably the crown prince of Saudi Arabia's first major diplomatic test since this murder in in Turkey of of Khashoggi. In addition to Vladimir Putin, we do know that President Trump briefly met with him, although there wasn't any real discussion over Khashoggi. We also know Theresa May met with the crown prince briefly, where she kind of stressed the importance of, uh, I think the quote was, she stressed the importance of ensuring that those responsible for the appalling murder of Jamal Khashoggi are held to account, and that such a deplorable incident should not happen again. Uh, we also know that macron of France uh, met with Ben Salman very briefly just to express some some firm thoughts on the situation but we again at the time of this recording I don't have a whole lot of details about how that's that's played out now the other big concern that's been taking place especially with this G20 summit but also kind of outside of this is the relationship between Russia and Ukraine now if you have not been following this there's been a pretty big deal here. Um, Just most recently, Ukraine's parliament okayed the idea of imposing martial law in certain territories that border Russia. Now, Russia and Ukraine have a very rocky history. There's been a lot of things that have kind of gone wrong between this relationship, and it's actually affected Ukraine's relationship with the EU. Uh, Ukraine had a president that had a deal set with the EU and backed out of it at the last minute. Many people thought that was because of the ties to Russia that he had personally, And this has led to a lot of kind of anti-government protests. The president was forced out of office and there was this potential for a kind of more pro-Western leader to take over. And this is when Russia jumped in very quickly and moved into Crimea. And they essentially tried to annex Crimea, which is, um, shall we say, not super supported by the rest of the international community. Now since that point, there's been actually active fighting between Ukrainian forces in some Russian-backed separatists taking place in the eastern part of Ukraine, and Russia has been trying to expand their control of this whole region, both within Crimea, also in some of the the waters that surround the area, and this led to some things that really heated up over last weekend, and now I guess two weekends ago. So last Sunday, some Ukrainian ships were trying to pass through a body of water that kind of runs next to Crimea, both countries share this and they actually have a deal in place where they're kinda have like a joint custody of this water where they can both use it. It's called the Kerch Strait. That's K-E-R-C-H. And Russia decided that they weren't going to allow this. And so they actually shot at the, at the ships and ultimately ended up detaining and arresting two dozen Ukrainian sailors. Now... Ukraine has claimed that it told Russia it was headed there, that Russia had plenty of advance warning. And again, these, these waters are essentially supposed to be shared. But Russia has uh, claimed that this was a provocation. I think that's an exact quote, a provocation. And basically claimed that this whole thing has been an attempt to distract from poor approval ratings in the Ukrainian government, especially of the president. And so just last week we saw Ukraine's parliament vote to em- enact martial law, uh, not, not over the whole country, but in the certain parts that border Russia. And it all gets tied back to this idea of the, the ships being detained and the sailors being arrested, uh, for which the international community has criticized Russia pretty heavily, including NATO and the EU. Uh, the UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, called it an outrageous violation uh, of, of Ukraine's independence. Now, this is the first time Ukraine has imposed martial law since this whole conflict kind of began about four years ago. And it's thought that this might actually just lead to to a further escalation. A lot of people are actually worried that these tensions could lead to something worse. Now, obviously, I'm sure most of you all know what martial law is, but just for those of you who don't, uh, I'm going to go ahead and define it really quickly. This is something that's typically invoked during national emergencies. Now, frequently, you'll see it invoked uh, in places over wartime or invasions and things like that, but essentially it gives the government power to do certain things that they wouldn't have the ability to do otherwise. Things like restricting rallies, having more control over the media, more control over the population, giving police more powers to do things. Uh, It's supposed to make the government a little bit faster in responding during these times of crises. But ultimately, it does end up restricting a lot of the freedoms of the people. Now, in this case, in Ukraine, it's it's a temporary situation. It's going to go into effect for 30 days. Actually, it, it's already started that 30-day period. And so we'll kind of have to wait and see how this plays out. But this is something else that will be really on the top of everybody's minds at this G20 summit, especially uh, with meeting with President Putin. And as I mentioned, Donald Trump has actually claimed that he has canceled his meeting with President Putin over this exact issue. Uh, the seizing of Ukrainian ships in a waterway that theoretically they both should have access to and they have a deal in place to do so is something that's really angered a lot of people. And it especially picked up, this tension did, after a video of the incident in that. Kurt Strait was released Uh, Ukrainian officials released this video and it basically appears to show a Russian ship ramming into a Ukrainian tugboat Uh, there were two like small gunboats and one tugboat Uh, and so the Russian ship apparently rammed into this tugboat and Ukraine obviously got very upset by this as they probably should have but Russia is accusing Ukraine of acting like the aggressor and so this has really divided a lot of countries and there's really some thought, particularly, there was a, actually an emergency UN Security Council meeting that was put into place to try to diffuse some of these rising tensions after this incident. And both Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo have really come out pretty strongly against this. Haley claimed it was an arrogant act that the international community must, must condemn and will never accept. And Pompeo has basically said that uh, we need Russia to return those, via, the, those uh, vessels to Ukraine as well as the 24 crew members who were arrested. And apparently uh, several of those sailors were injured in the incident as well. And the boats were disabled too. And in fact, this particular incident just recently comes on the heels of a lot of accusations out of Ukraine, and actually the United States has done this a little bit as well, accusing Russia of interfering with international shipping in this region. Now, the Kerch Strait itself is this kind of very thin waterway that's about two to three miles wide at one point, so it's very, very narrow, and it connects the Azov Sea with the Black Sea. And so this is a strait that runs um, kind of right in between Crimea, and Russia. But it's an important economic lifeline for Ukraine because it allows its ships to access the Black Sea, which is is super important for them. This is also the closest point of access for Russia to that Crimean region. And they they put into place like a a Russian bridge over the Kerch Strait that opened up just this past May. So as you're reading about the G20 summit this past weekend, and all of the results that came out of that, keep an eye out for any sort of talks or tensions between Vladimir Putin and some of the other leaders who are present at the summit. Now, at some point, I'll probably do an entire episode where we talk about the Russia-Ukraine relationship. Uh, this is actually a pretty fascinating uh, relationship that goes back, you know, quite a few years. There's a lot of tensions. The annexation of Crimea was it was a huge deal back in 2014 that led to a lot of separatist violence in the area. Also, escalation at sea. There was some church concerns, actually some religious issues that came into play with the Orthodox Church there. And it has a lot of global implications as well. So, especially if you guys are interested, you have to let let me know, but I would, Very much like to do probably a whole episode on the Russia Ukraine dispute at some point or another. But all of this means this Group of 20 summit has a lot of major divisions on these huge world issues that they're really hoping to bridge. And while there are probably by now, by the time you're listening to this, some results out of the summit, most of the results from this are things that we're going to have to look at over months to months of of time period, Uh, including things like trade, the migration issues this Chinese-U.S. tariff war, trade war that's taking place right now Uh, its actually been escalating. Issues with Saudi Arabia over Yemen and Jamal Khashoggi, President Putin and Ukraine. And so this is an issue, or I should say a series of issues that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on going forward. Uh, But with that, we're going to go ahead and close things out with today's episode. I hope this was an interesting topic for you guys. I know uh, the G20 Summit is one of the largest economic summits in the world. It's a really important one for a lot of different reasons. And this year in particular seems to have a lot of division that's, that's taking place. So it may have some larger implications even than it normally does. Now, as always, you can find me on Twitter at JustinR underscore Kenny. Please find me, follow me there. I'd be happy to continue the conversation with you. You can also find me on Facebook at J. Robert Kinney. That's the name I write fiction novels under. You can find my page. Please follow it, subscribe to it, whatever. And check out my books on Amazon. As I said, I just had a brand new one come out last Monday called Splintered State. And you can also find my first novel, Precipice, which came out about two and a half years ago. You can check them both out. They are on Amazon right now for both paperback and Kindle. Now, if you're interested in supporting me, supporting this podcast, or advertising on the podcast, you can either reach out to me or check out my Patreon account. I'd be happy to talk with you more about that possibility. I'm definitely looking for partnerships, so please do reach out to me about that if you are interested. Uh, but with that, we're going to go ahead and close things out today. This is Nutshell Politics. My name is Justin Kinney, and I am out in three, two, one. <laughs>